Hey, you know, according to the National Association of City Transportation, an urban driver will spend an average of 75 seconds waiting at a red light. 75 seconds. How many of you have ever waited longer than 75 seconds? I don't know where they got that statistic. That is like, what? Okay. According to AAA, average Americans spend 58, get this, 58.6 hours at red lights each year. That's amazing, isn't it? Recent research says that on average we spend over five years of our lives waiting in lines at stores, theme parks, concerts, wherever. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Say that with me. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah, we all do it, right? We wait in lines. We wait to be seated. We wait in traffic. We feel like half our life is spent waiting for somebody, waiting for something, waiting for an answer, waiting to go. Sometimes it feels like all we do is wait. Sometimes we hurry up and wait, you know, all of that. And yet there's a couple of things that we say about waiting. Isn't it interesting? Good things come to those who wait. And we all go, yeah, whatever, right? Or, or you may have heard, some things are worth waiting for. <laughs> if that's the case, would you be willing to wait for something your entire life? Now, many of us have been waiting a long time for something to take place. But probably not waiting like a man named Simeon in Luke chapter 2. Take a look at it. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Now, Simeon is just an ordinary Jewish guy, Jewish man. He's living in Jerusalem, which was the religious and political center of Israel. It's where all the action would take place in Israel. It was the center, the hub of the nation. I want you to circle that word waiting on that passage. Would you do that on your outline, to circle that word waiting? Say it with me, waiting. This is an interesting word. The writer Luke uses a particular Greek word, and it refers to anticipation. So it's not just waiting in line or waiting at a red light. Let's just use the red light illustration. It would be more like having your foot right on the accelerator pedal, just waiting for the light to turn green so that you could jump the light. That's called anticipation. And that's what he was doing. It was a, an expecting, it was a, 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 an anticipation. Simeon was eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. What was the Messiah? Well, ultimately, big picture, it was God's plan. It was God's holy one. It was God's king. Things weren't going really well for the nation of Israel at that point. They hadn't heard from God for many years. They were under Roman Empire rule. They had lost their independence. They were living in fear all the time. But Simeon focused on hope. That's why I knew when we have this idea, this thrill of hope, I knew we had to bring his story into this because he had this, this idea of hope. There was a coming change. There was a coming Messiah. Luke chapter 2 tells us about the birth of Jesus, and we know this story, right? Caesar Augustus decreed a census People to return to their hometowns. Joseph and Mary, very pregnant Mary, had to go to Bethlehem. Mary goes into labor while they're there. There's no room to stay. So Mary gives birth to a baby in a stable and lays the baby in a what? Manger. Manger. 
At the same time, an angel surprises the shepherds in the fields, tells them about this baby that's born in a manger, who is God's son, and a choir of angels surrounds them, declares the glory of God, and the shepherds go to see this baby in a manger, and they find him. And then, verse 21, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named, what? Jesus. The name given him by the angels even before he was conceived. Now, this was the custom of the day. On the eighth day, a Jewish baby boy would be circumcised, the sign of God's covenant with his people. Prior to eight days, you wouldn't even name the baby. Do you know why? Because infant mortality rates were really high. If your baby made it past eight days, you were lucky. And so they didn't name the child until that point. And so then around 40 days later, and you may not have even realized this timeline, but you'll see it in just a minute. About 40 days later, according to the law of Moses in Leviticus 12, Mary and Joseph now travel from Bethlehem six miles to Jerusalem to offer the appropriate sacrifices for their firstborn son in the temple. Take a look, verse 22. Then, so, so 40 days happened in that one word, then. It was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And the law says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice according to what was required in the law. Now I want you to notice what they offer here. Either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And it's in quotes. So I thought this would be a good time for us to then step into the Mosaic law in Leviticus 12 and just kind of take a look at what this is talking about. So look at it with me. If a woman gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for purification offering. Then the priest will present them to the Lord to purify her. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she'll be clean. Now, if I was God, I don't know if you ever play this game, but if I was God, and if I was going to send my son to earth, would I choose to have him be born as a baby? No way. I would start him out as a strong man, probably in his 20s, pretty buff. You know, I'd just drop him onto planet earth and here we go. I mean, that, that's kind of the way that I would start. Would I choose to have his mother be considered unclean? by the religious laws of those days. No, not at all. Uh, would we choose to have him live in a low-income family? No. He would come as royalty, right? I mean, that's what, that's what I would choose. And yet God's plan was to do it through a helpless baby, through a mother's womb, and through a low-income family. Wow. And here is where our guy, Simeon, enters the stage. Take a look. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. So 
you, you need to know that it was the hope of every Jew that the Messiah, God's king, God's chosen one, would come. That, that this king, this chosen one, the Messiah, would bring peace to Israel. And Simeon wanted this more than anything else in the world. Simeon never lost hope. I think that's a big word for all of us to hear today. He never lost hope. Every day he was expecting God to bring about his plan. He spent day after day in the temple, waiting and waiting. You know, sometimes that's what God calls us to do. Sometimes that's what God calls you to do, me to do, is to wait, wait for his plan. Sometimes that's all God wants me to do. It's all God wants you to do, is to wait for his plan. None of us like waiting, but God calls us to it sometimes. So Simeon was chosen by God, and look what verse 25 says. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, we don't know how old Simeon was, but that's quite a promise, wouldn't you say? That the Holy Spirit had told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Wow. What, what a great word for him to know. To not die until he would see the one who would change the world. That day, verse 27, the Spirit led him to the temple. So led Simeon to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not believe in coincidence when you follow Jesus. I believe that the Lord orchestrates our steps of our lives. And I believe that there was no coincidence... I mean, we can see it because the Spirit had led him to the temple. There's no coincidence that Simeon happened to be there in the temple at the time, in the moment, that Mary and Joseph came and entered the temple. So don't miss this. What Mary and Joseph did happened every day in the temple. I mean, this was normal. This was not out of the ordinary. People, you know, hundreds of people coming and going. You got to picture the scene in your mind. Most people ignored this poor common couple with their baby. But the face of this one old man lit up with joy when they entered the room. He knew. And so here comes this old man who'd been sitting and waiting comes shuffling over to him. He'd been waiting on God to do something like this for most of his life. And this was the day. See, Simeon was paying attention. He was paying attention to what God is doing. I mean, think about it. How many other people that day in that room noticed that baby? Actually, there was only one more. Her name was Anna, comes later in Luke 2. Two people out of hundreds recognized who this baby was. Wow. Simeon is paying attention because he didn't want to miss God. There was an expectancy. This is the way I feel about church. I, I feel like when I come together and worship together with other followers like you, I'm expecting. I don't want to miss it. Because I believe that God's going to show up. In fact, Jesus told us that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Guess what? I don't want to miss God. So I am coming to church. 
Simeon didn't want to miss God. His life, his prayers, his thoughts, his desires were God-focused. So on this day, God taps Simeon on the shoulder and he says, he's here. He just came in. That's him. (laughs) The one you've been waiting for the whole time. The Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world has arrived. I wonder if, if the hair on the back of his neck stood up at that moment. If he got goosebumps. You know what I'm talking about? I wonder if all of a sudden at that moment when he realized this baby was the one, I wonder what happened within Simeon. The Holy Spirit directed Simeon to this ordinary looking family and with eyes of faith he saw in their arms the hope of the world. So verse 27 tells us that he took the child in his arms and praised God. You can almost see his hands shaking. He was an older man. His, His eyes were tearing up because this is the one he had waited for so long. He is holding the Savior of the world, the Messiah, God's Son. Simeon is right in the middle of all that God is doing. He is touching it. He is feeling it. He's a part of what God is doing in the world. If you could see Simeon holding this baby, you would see a happy old man. Rejoicing in a faithful God, a God who had fulfilled his promise. Verse 28, he took the child in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. (laughs) You know, he's basically saying, I'm good now. Take me home. It, it, It all took place as you promised. I've seen him. I've held him. I can go now. I'm ready. Look what he says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared, read these last three words with me, for all people. Wow. This is more than just historical fulfillment. This was very personal. Luke's point in this is that this baby is the one that God-fearing faith filled people were looking for, that Jesus is the one that his people were looking for. Most Jews thought that the Messiah would come just for them, but Simeon knows the truth. Simeon understands that Jesus is coming not just for the Jews, but salvation for all people. And then he wraps it off in verse 31. He says, he, this baby, is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Now, Simeon didn't know, but the, the Apostle Paul, years later, would, would write words along these lines. Take a look at Ephesians 2. Paul says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through Christ. He brought this good news. Sound familiar? (laughs) Good news. That's what the angels told the shepherds. Good news. A peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. 
Simeon knew something. He knew that God, God was going global. He was no longer just reaching just one nation and one people group. He, this good news is full of hope, this establishing God's faithfulness. It was to all people. The message was to all people. And so I want to close with two thoughts, two things that we can grab from this narrative. First, get this down. We can miss Jesus if we're not paying attention. And man, this is a season where it's real easy to not be paying attention. It's, it's so easy to get so busy that Christmas is on you before you know it. You get so wrapped up in the tasks that need to take place, like from this day on, as we go on through the next couple of weeks here, it just gets so busy for everybody. Has, have, have you been shopping at all? Any, any stores lately, parking lots lately? Have you noticed? It's, it's busy, right? It's really busy. Easy to miss Jesus in this season if we're not paying attention. You know, if, if he wanted to, Jesus could show up in ways that we wouldn't miss. And I don't know why he doesn't do this sometimes. Again, it's one of those times if, if I were God, I think I might do it differently. I mean, Jesus could turn the sky dark and write words in neon clouds. Wouldn't that be cool? You know? Bart, I want you to do this. And, and I, I, I wouldn't miss it. I mean, I could be driving, I could be walking my dog, I could be whatever, and it would be there, it would be so obvious, I wouldn't miss it. Jesus could blur out everyone's TV at the same time and bring a special announcement on the screen. I mean, that's using technology, right? I mean, he could do that. Jesus could show up in ways that, that would grab our attention. But he doesn't do that. Jesus shows up in obscurity. Jesus shows up in normality. The normal everyday routine of our lives. And the crazy thing about Christmas is if we're not careful, we can get so busy that we miss Jesus. But for those who are paying attention, get this down, Jesus satisfies the soul of anyone who waits for him. I don't know what you're looking for, what you're waiting for this Christmas, what you're hoping for. But one thing I think all of us could use is something in our soul. Not not something new, not the new outfit, not the new gizmo, not the, not the gift that you're hoping for, not something off of Amazon or eBay or what. No. I think our soul needs something this year. Mine does. I look, I look for Jesus to speak into my soul this year and to bring peace, to bring comfort, to bring confidence to bring wholeness, to bring purpose, to let me know that he's got a plan, even though sometimes it doesn't look like that, to, to let me know that he is in control of things, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like anyone's in control. 
I want him to satisfy my soul. And I realize that in this season, I have to spend time waiting on him. If, if I'm not careful, I can miss him. See, Simeon personally received Jesus. Don't, don't miss this. He held six-week-old Jesus in his arms, in his hands. Wow. Can you imagine the joy that would flood his soul? For he had been waiting so long for this to take place. Simeon got to the point, not by accident, he saw what others could not see because he was paying attention. If Simeon could somehow speak to us today, you know what I think he would say to us? He would say, this is your Savior too. This is your Jesus too. He came for you. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for this Christmas? For over 2,000 years, Jesus has been tapping people on the shoulder who have come to the end of their hope. When, when everything feels hopeless, they realize and experience that Jesus is the hope of the world. Would you bow your heads with me?